crushing depression. It is, it is totally consumed my life. I, I ruined the lives of 2000 people. I lost 77 million in assets, depression. So my point that really, I, I always try to BYOB. If you're going to get into real estate investing, BYOB, build your own bank, right? I want to be known as the own your asset guy because 50% LTV right now is still probably risky. I think, I think it's, I, I, in, I would in, like to add some certain asset this. classes. Um, I think what you're talking about, John, sort of makes sense. But at the same time, I would say that I would slightly differ from European of being your own bank with respect to owning your assets outright. And the reason, of course, I know that you're coming from a standpoint of where you face this pain, which I haven't, thankfully, and I don't want to. And I want to learn from, you know, your pains that you face so that I can be a better investor. Sure. But I think one of the important things I want to point out about multifamily versus single family, which is the asset class that you were invested in, was although it's in single family at a portfolio level, you can still look at the net operating income and value your assets based on that. But it, that's much more prevalent in a multifamily space wherein the valuation is based off of the income that the asset is generating rather than, you know, the market value of the asset. Yeah. We know that in the residential crisis, the, the value of single family homes went down significantly. Probably. But we also know that the multifamily was affected, but not to the extent that the single family market was affected. And that was the market that you were primarily invested in. And this is primarily because of the fact that it's it's a business, sort of a business that you're operating in a multifamily. It's looked at uh, like a business that you're operating. So the valuation is based on the income it's generating, not necessarily based on uh, what XYZ single family asset is doing in that area. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about owning it out uh, outright, but I think without leverage, it really slows down your progress does or uh, you know or your growth and i think there's no right or wrong here i think it's it's about what you choose some people like burgers some people like pizzas there's no right or wrong both are wrong <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but but i would say that you know you got to choose what what you're comfortable with in the investments right some people like stocks some people like real estate it's not like real estate is the best asset class in the world or even a real estate you know, I cannot say that multifamily is the best asset class in the world or, or store, you know, storage units are the best asset class in the world. I think they're different flavors. And I think you got to choose what suits your personality. Yeah, That's where the difference is. That's where the beauty is. Like some people may be very risk averse and they're like, we don't want any loan on the, on the, on the property. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But bear in mind that the growth is going to be a little slower than somebody who's willing to... Yeah, there's and so. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I know that I am kind of this cautionary tale, right? I know that I'm hyper conservative with my underwriting and my perspective. I don't advise anybody to follow my path, right? I like to own things 100% because I've seen the damage in my own life of what happens when a bank. We've had, we've had four bank failures in six weeks, seven weeks. Right. Right. I mean, it's happening again. 
I'm seeing it. I'm seeing all the signs that it's happening again. I just, two weeks ago, I talked to a guy that got approved for 105% LTV HELOC, right? Oh, Does wow. That sound familiar? 105%. I'm going to loan, the bank is going to loan them more money than their house is actually worth. Oh, wow. I, I It's bonkers to me. Like we're doing, we're doing it again. And I, I, I really, I know that I'm taking a very unconventional perspective on hyper, hyper conservative financing, but only because- But that's your style and that's okay. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. You know, that's okay. If you, if somebody wants to be hyper conservative, yeah, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly normal. And this is not to say that the returns are not going to be good. They're still going to be reasonably good, depending on how you buy it, what you yeah. buy, what is your strategy on it. But it's, it's just a different way of operating. I mean, it's there's no right or wrong here. Right. But I, I just wanted to say that's that's where I differ. And I think the other, the other thing, point that I want to actually point out was because you had mentioned about having a 30% economic vacancy in your assets, when yeah. you were operating. What we do in our underwriting is we actually stress test, and I'm sure other people also stress test their assets to see what is the vacancy, economic vacancy that that particular asset is going to support. Yeah, And we have to have those metrics in place, especially in times like this, you know, when it's becoming much more harder to get financing, it's becoming much more difficult. We are expecting a downturn to come in the market. We are expecting a lot of, you know, foreclosures. And we don't know whether they're going to happen or not, but we want to be in a position where we are going to be able to stay afloat and we're going to actually be able to thrive. And how do you thrive? You risk mitigate, just like you're doing in your being hyper-conservative. You, be, you are mitigating the risks because like Warren Buffett says, you know, the first principle of investing is don't lose your money. And the second what? principle is don't forget principle number one, right? And that's what exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I I may not grow as fast, right? I mean, there's there's transactions that are worth leveraging, right? I'm I'm right. really transparent about this. I am not so risk averse that I'm not willing to take a calculated risk, right? Seventy five percent, if it's seventy five percent LTV, if it's new construction, and you're 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 buying the ground for a thousand dollars and you're putting I'm picking numbers out of the air. If you're if 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 you're a thousand dollars for build costs and you're a hundred thousand dollars for uh, building and you're selling it for two hundred and fifty thousand, that's risk. Or that there's risk in that, but it's minimal. Right. So I'm not right. I'm not against leverage. I think leverage is hyper important. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to, it all comes down to. It's, I think, I think it's like chocolate ice cream and vanilla ice cream. You got to choose which one you want. Maybe you want both at different types. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. I mean, it, there's ways to do it. You, you always make the money on the buy, right? Right. That's, that's always the case. So leveraging in a situation where you get it at, 40, 60, we're, we're buying a property right now. We're about 65% LTV. Like that's pretty great. I'm pretty happy with that. There is definitely a case, but pay it off. Holy cow. I mean, the toll I've had to take because of foreclosure, 
the banks own it. It doesn't matter that you're operating. It doesn't matter that you, how good of an operation you have. As long as the banks control it, they control the lives of every single person associated with that transaction. Yeah, and I think that's very, uh, very key because even though you had a good business plan with your 13-story building, even though everything was on track, it still wasn't under your control what happened. Yeah. Right? It just threw you off. This was just a curveball that came in and there was no way to predict what you're going to do about it, right? There's a there's a number of different people I've met in the last we're we're in Raise Masters, right? In the last couple of months, I've I've connected with I met a guy who lost a, he it's funny cuz he's like I lost I I'm going to make this up now. 101,000 and la 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 pennies, right? He knows his loss down to about penny that he lost. I mean, a hundred, hundred and one million dollars. Like I've talked to people who have been in the same spot as me. They lost tens, 20, 30, 50 million dollars. And like that period, nobody talks about, we've just successfully ignored it and moved on. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people out there. There's, that's the reason I'll give you my two cents, but because so many developers and so many people went out of business back in 09, we have this housing deficit in the country of be between six and 14 million missing homes. Right. right? The, the DR Hortons of the world survived, but the creative capital, my company didn't. And right. And so, so what we're doing in the interim, so it's been 15 years, right? Or, or probably longer, yeah. but what were you doing in the interim after you literally like had to get rid of all of your assets or you were forced to get rid of all of your assets? What were you doing in the interim? Like, how were you surviving? This is where the whole podcast falls apart. Uh, I was watching Netflix. <laughs> right. Depression. Depression, depression, depression. It is it is totally consumed my life. I I ruined the lives of two thousand people. I lost seventy seven million in assets. Depression. I sat on the couch and watched Netflix for twelve years. Um, well, and then I went hiking. Right then I found like I figured out that my mental health was actually important to me, and I started going backpacking. And so I this is. Thus, right? I go, I go to the woods anytime that I can, and that has been. I have therapy on a regular basis, like mental health therapy. Like I'm working through. I always joke about the the Monty Python skit. I'm much better now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm I am getting better, but it's a long journey. All right, guys, if you haven't done already, please go check out my free video series on how to do due diligence on operators and on deals before investing in them. It's called Real Estate Rx for Passive Investors, and it's available at www.rerxcourse.com.